And this finger pokes me quite hard and drags slowly up my back to around my neck. Wow. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. I'm your host, Chet Czar. And today we have a very special guest, the legendary Mark Showstrom. He is a makeup effects legend. He's worked on such films as uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Phantasm 2 and 3, Evil Dead 2, uh, From Beyond. <clears throat> He's worked on a lot of the classics, Prince of Darkness. Um, anyway, uh, I'll, ex I'll explain in the interview. I haven't interviewed him yet. I'm about to interview him in about 20 minutes. Uh, but... Uh, a weird, had kind of weird synchronous events come up that that um, uh, made this interview happen, sort of. Um, but we're not going to talk about makeup effects, at least not very much. We want to talk about his paranormal and ghost experiences, which he has a lot. <laughs> he sent me a list, and there's a lot of them. <clears throat> And that's what he's interested in talking about. And that's definitely what I'm more interested in talking about too. So that's coming up. I'm really excited for it. Uh, let's see what's going on with me. I'm getting my last of my mystery boxes that shipped, put together and shipped the, the uh, $500 mystery boxes. Um, those should be out the door by the end of the week. And um, along with uh, other orders I've gotten in and, yeah, that's what I've been working on. I, I can't really talk about what I've been working on for the mystery boxes, but I guess <clears throat> next time maybe I can talk about them because they should be out to people by then. No, time after that maybe. I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's it. I'm just in uh, work mode, shipping mode, and mystery box mode. Um, if you want to support this podcast, you can go to uh, Dark Art Society. Uh, pay I'm sorry. How uh, six years I've been doing this, I still can't get this right. Patreon.com slash dark art society, and you could join for as little as a dollar a month, and you get your name read on the podcast every week. Or, you know, when you join, you get your name uh, read on the podcast. This week, we have no, no new subscribers, so I don't have to worry about <clears throat> remembering someone's name. Um, if you join at the five dollar and above level, you get a 20% off coupon for or coupon code for. Our sponsor, Skull Shop, S-K-U-L-L-S-H-O-P-P-E. I'm currently using this skull for something I can't talk about um, yet. So yeah, uh, uh, that's for the $5 and above level. If you want to see what I'm up to, um, you can go to patreon.com slash chetzar. Join it also for as little as a dollar. And um, yeah, I post everything I'm working on there, except mystery box stuff, because it's secret so far. But I'll post it... Um, soon uh is that it i think that's it did i forget something maybe you know i should write a list of everything i have to say in the beginning so that i don't always do this every episode well i didn't do it this time so i guess that's it um yeah okay so here we go with my interview with mark showstrom hope you enjoy it
Hello, Mark. Hey. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's so cool to talk to you kind of in person for the first time. Yeah. Well, with this video stuff, it's, it's really almost the next best thing. I know it is, uh, you know, everybody, everybody knows your work. Um, you know, nightmare on Elm street, you've worked on the first one. And yeah, I worked a a week in Dave Miller's garage. (laughs) And you worked at nightmare on Elm street three and from beyond and phantasm two and three so many movies i you know i was i've always been a fan since i first got into makeup effects and um so it's so i always loved your work so it's really cool to be able to talk to you um well i love your work too so it's the feeling is very much mutual oh thanks that's so cool to hear um uh yes we're not going to talk makeup effects though we're going to talk ghosts today but um (laughs) i do want to yeah that list you sent me was pretty amazing (laughs) That's like, that was, that's a lot of ghost experiences. But uh, first off, before we start that, I have to, I do have to tell you one makeup effects story because it kind of involves, it kind of involves you. So (laughs) sort of, uh, it was, I, I I went to Italy to work on, um, cellar dweller. My first movie, I was 18. I think they sent me over John Beekler. And, um, and so they sent me out there with, uh, Bill Butler and Mike Deke. And I was, I think I know it's, what's that? I think I know it's coming, but go ahead. <laughs> so I went out there. I'm green as hell. My, I had never been in a plane before. And all of a sudden I'm flying to Italy. I was like, I'm from San Pedro. I just, you know, it was my first time working, I think working on set. And so I was just kind of, you know, doing whatever they told me. And at one point for this, we worked on this other movie called Transformations, which was, even below cellar dweller it was like d level it was so it's so bad um and uh there was a scene where the creature gets burned and emerges the the actor who okay this actor rex smith remember rex smith the like in cellar dweller no this is in transformations this guy, Rex Smith, he was like a teen idol. I think it was Rex Smith. Anyway, he was another kind of lower tier TV movie actor. Uh, anyway, he turns into a creature. And at the end, he gets burned by a flamethrower. And then he bursts out of the ashes of the creature. Right? And we didn't have a, a creature that a, a body to burst out of. So one of those guys... <laughs> Pulls out your uh, from beyond. I forgot that guy's name. The the puppet you made, the big puppet with the the big spindly Pretorius monster. Yeah, the Pretorius monster, and it was the body that was that. And it was I remember being a kid and seeing this, going like, "This is so beautiful. It was so cool. It painted so well. It was so cool." And they're like, "This is all in Italy now." Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And um, at uh, Charlie Band Studio. Full, mm-hmm. full moon, I guess. Yeah, the, and the studios, I know, he was shooting all of his movies then. Right. Over there. So anyway, they're like, okay, you have to spray paint this thing black. So your, your puppet thing, uh, big foam. What was left? They'd filmed the From Beyond stuff already, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like in storage. Yeah. It had been done. And, yeah. um, <clears throat> and so I had to spray paint that thing black. And then we had to put a, <laughs> glue a bunch of nernies on it. <laughs> 
And then, he, Go ahead. and then he bursts out of it at the end of the movie. And it's just like, I remember being so like crestfallen to spray paint this beautiful oh. piece of film history. You know, I was like a young effects. That explains, and, that explains something because um, in my contract with them, they shipped, we shipped everything obviously over for film, but I had it in my contract that they have to pay for the, the creating and the shipping mm. stuff back to me. Ah, and when it came back, it wasn't the whole creature. It was the heads and the lumpy suit, I believe, or maybe even that did. But there was stuff missing, and I remember calling up saying, "Where's the rest of it?" So that explains. <laughs> it's an it's Ill- all over there <laughs> being used in Italian monster movies today. You know, <laughs> spray painted black. It was yeah. Uh, Gio- Giovanni's painting it, taking it from spray painted black. He's painting it silver. Yeah. <laughs> So that was my Mark Shostrom story. That was one of my first makeup effects I, memories. I heard there's a lot of uh, a lot of antics going on with the different makeup effects crew, from my guys to John Beekler. Like something about putting a fish in somebody's bed or something. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear that one, but we did flip a rental car. I was in the passenger seat. Mike Deke would drive along the um, the lot. There was like it was empty, this film lot. It was a big, big film studio. And Mike Deke would drive at the end of the, every work day, he'd drive really fast and then put the brakes on and do a, like a slide out. Oh. And then mm. we'd go off onto the freeway and drive home every day. He'd do this. And then one day he, he went a little too fast and there was a little, uh, kind of a gully at the end of the, the parking lot. And we just went, just like skidded over wow. the edge and had to crawl out the windows and dirt was falling on us. And yeah, it was well, kind of, I have one evil. You reminded me of one evil dead story. Okay. Before we get into ghosts is that, uh, they gave me a rental car, which not a rental car, a, a production car for a car for me to use while we were there. But, uh, you know, I had my makeup effects guys, so we had to share the car. And anyway, they all left. It was just down to me and this guy named Bryant Housick. And this station wagon was such a piece of garbage and they would never replace it for me. I kept saying, you got to give me something that at least drives. I mean, this thing was barely running. So Bryant and I had a weekend and we took it to the color purple property, which was near where we were shooting all these rolling hills. And my goal was to see if we could get this thing four wheels in the air. <laughs> so we go, we go to the color purple property and it's, there's a fence there. And I, I'm in the driver's seat and I said, Brian, go open the fence. And there was no sign that said it was electrified. And he reaches over and goes to open the fence. And he's like, (laughs) he falls on the ground. We kick the fence open and he's like, I've just been electrocuted. Oh my God. And we, we get in this car and I start, we're going down this hill. There's another hill coming up. I'm going as fast as I can. and I just, we just shot over this hill. We got like, just in a Burt Reynolds movie, we got, you know, James Bond, four wheels in the air and I, <laughs> our heads hit the ceiling and it slammed down and pieces flew off. Excellent. And I think there's in the Make People Dead, you can see me driving it repeatedly over railroad tracks because I was trying to get it to just disintegrate till there was nothing left. And so they finally gave me a new car. They never did. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Wow, that's a good one. Okay, that's a, that's a good place to end and get into ghosts. Now, everybody, everybody who's a makeup effects fan, you got a, you got a couple of makeup effects stories, but this is why we're really here: is these ghost stories you, you have. 
these ghost yeah. ex- or whatever you want to call them, paranormal experiences. You sent me uh oh, first off, I want to say how this podcast came to be just quickly. I, uh, uh, Mark and I follow each other on Twitter and I've always wanted to ask Mark to be on the podcast, but you know, with the, I don't, uh, the, the guests that, you know, maybe I grew up on, I get a little nervous about asking people. So I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't ask you, even though I've wanted to ask you for a long time. And then the other day I just had the notion. It was like, I saw you on, on uh, Twitter and I was like, I'm just going to ask him to be on the podcast. I'm just going to do it. Like, that's kind of how I do this podcast. And, yeah. And so I sent you a message and then I clicked out of the message asking if you wanted to be on. I clicked out of the message. The first thing I see on my feed is you saying, I'm going to be on a podcast talking about paranormal uh, experiences and ghosts and stuff. I'm really excited about it. And I was like, oh, he talks. He, he's a ghost guy. Cool. And so then I went back and... uh messaged you oh this that'd be great because you know i'm into this stuff we talk about this on the podcast uh and then we set that up and you you were like you know you want to talk about ghosts more than effects and i'm like perfect for me then later that day my son calls me up and i and i answer the phone he goes who did the effects who did the makeup effects for evil dead 2 they're really good and I was like, How could, I can't believe you just asked me that. It's like, wow. you know, that was these weird cosmic synchronicities that happened around this. Synchronicity. So, yep. so uh, hmm. I think this was probably going to be a, a good episode. Anyway, so you've had some uh, exceptional ghost experiences. Yes, I have. And by the way, I just turned down that uh, space seat or so for... If the sound intrudes, just let me know. I'll turn it off. No problem. I don't hear it at all. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so and tell so, me. Well, I've had uh, most of the things that happened were at school I was teaching. I mean, in the past, I've had two sort of paranormal ghostly experiences. One was in college, 1975. I was staying with my uh, uncle and cousin in this house that was about 100 years old in black hills of south dakota and this house was way this way out from anywhere it was out in the middle of the woods it had its own road going to it hmm. and uh i found out later my cousin melinda who was 11 at the time um she had heard uh, a woman crying upstairs and it was just her and her uncle oh. uh, she'd mentioned this to me later that on many occasions from one particular room she'd hear the sound of a woman crying and she'd go in and there's nobody there. I didn't know this at the time, but what happened with me was uh, my uncle was in hospital for back surgery. So Melinda went to stay with her mother. So I was just staying there alone with the dog. I was there one weekend and uh, big expansive house and uh, all carpet, except there was a one hallway that came to the bathroom. Well, it was all carpeted. Basically, to describe the layout between between where I was sleeping and one end of the house, uh, my head was right by an open door, which was the bathroom. And there was another door in the bathroom leading to a hall, which led to the living room. Mm-hmm. So I'm there with my little fire, turn out the lights, put my head down, and I heard what sounded like a really heavy box coming from way far away in the house from the living room. Yeah. Coming closer, I could hear it coming down the hallway towards the bathroom. This, oh, oh my god! <laughs> and I could hear it hit the tile and went, 
stopped right at my head. Really? I had my eyes closed. And I was so terrified. I couldn't even move. I couldn't open my eyes. I couldn't open. Oh, my God. I, I have no idea to this day what it was. That's but it was really terrifying. That's and, a good uh, one. <laughs> scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. And the other thing that happened before the school stuff was on the Queen Mary, which, of course, is noted for being haunted. Mm-hmm. And I knew that. My girlfriend and I decided uh, on a whim to go for July 4th weekend. So we called up for reservations, and they're saying, they said, well, we're all booked up. It's July 4th weekend. Everybody wants to stay on the Queen Mary and watch the fireworks. Mm-hmm. Somehow, my girlfriend sweet-talked somebody into saying, you know, well, we've got one, we've got this one room left. Well, oh, okay, we'll take it. I remember it was room M123. <laughs> um, and there was not anything earth-shattering, like no objects moving, but we're lying there, the lights just went out, and all of a sudden from the next room, we hear this. I can't hear it. Tapping on the wall. Okay, okay. Just like somebody's got a pencil and they're tapping on the wall. Creepy. And this went on for a while, and I thought, Jesus, we're trying to sleep. What's somebody doing in there? Oh. So I poked my head out the door to see the room number, and you know you can call room to room. So I, I dialed that room number to ask the people to please stop that noise. And I could hear the phone ringing through the wall. Mm. It just kept ringing, ringing, ringing. There's nobody there. So I go and knock on the door. There's no answer. Go back to bed. Tap, 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 tap. This went on for hours. I never figured that one out. That's Um, creepy. (laughs) But I know that room had not been rented a while because we didn't have hot water at first. Mm. We called desk and they said, oh, that room has not been rented in a long time. Oh, wow. We had to pump the water. The hot water has to come in from the mainland. Never figured that out, but it was my girlfriend told me later she always she felt that there was something standing there looking at her all night long. Oh, really? Uh, <clears throat> Queen Mary is full of cool stories like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's tons of them. Uh, I, you know, I stayed with my wife and I did a convention there, and we stayed in a room. I should have asked her this before, but. She's got so many stories, it's I can't keep them all straight. But um, I'm pretty sure she heard or saw something when we stayed in this room in the Queen Mary. I can't, I can't remember. I can't remember what it was though. Some, some, some something weird happened. <clears throat> I'd like to actually do a ghost hunt there. There's, there's one room there that is so, so haunted that. Uh, they don't use it for anything or apparently uh one story I heard is and I, you can go on the internet and find out what room number it is where some people are just laid down and hammered down and glued down the carpet because they wanted to rent it out so they just put down a new carpet go out come back go out to lunch or whatever come back and they open the door and all the carpet had been ripped off. oh my god whoa yeah <laughs> that's a bit violent <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, we, yeah. I, I had, I, I mean, I've had, I've had several paranormal experiences. Um, I've had, I've had a lot of out of body experiences. That's like my big thing that I have. I have them a lot. Like, 
astral projection. Yeah, like where I'm floating around and I can't really control oh. myself. Like it happens a lot. <clears throat> um, Is that something? It just happens it, when it does. It happens when it does. I've never been able to control it. Uh, wow. I've never been able to make it happen. I've tried, but and I've kind of gotten close, but I've never been able to make it happen. And then it just happens every I don't know six, three to six months now, maybe. That's I'm, pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Sometimes it's feels really good. Sometimes it feels really scary. Like there's a presence in the room. I've had, I've had, uh, I had one where very real quick, I had one, uh, fairly recently, a couple of years ago where I was, I got, I don't know if you've ever had them, but, but if you've, you, you the first thing that happens, it's, it's like a sleep paralysis type thing. They call it sleep paralysis, but to me, that doesn't change anything. That <laughs> doesn't make it like not paranormal or weird because i've had so many weird things happen in that state it's i don't know it's there's more to it i think and uh i was in that state in between where i was about to float out of my body but i was stuck in my body but i was aware and my body couldn't move it's like paralyzed and i heard this old hag woman cursing in some kind of slavic or eastern european language cursing at me and she was pissed like rah, 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 you know totally cursing at me and i knew she it was for, at me and i and i sensed that she was over on the other side of the room in the shape of like a big dome like about so big few just a couple feet creepy yeah a couple feet high and she was cursing at me i could hear it clear as day clear as day and she was coming to me closer closer and closer and I was able to, which sometimes happen, I can kind of wake myself up and pull myself out of it. And the first thing I thought of was, I've told this before on the podcast, but I'm telling it again. First thing I thought of was like, I thought Baba Yaga. And then I thought, that just popped in my head. And I was like, well, okay, I saw the Hellboy, the new Hellboy trailer a year ago. Maybe, it, and there's a Baba Yaga character in that. Maybe that's what I'm, why I thought of that. I didn't think much of it. Then I decided to a couple of days later, because I couldn't, because it sounded like a, a an Eastern European language or or Slavic or something. And so, and I, and I kept thinking about it. And so I looked up Baba Yaga and it's a, it's, it's like the Baba Yaga myth is in uh, Romania and like Hungary and, 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 it's like it's all in that part of the world is is there's a there's a myth of Baba Yaga as this witch that you know she has this weird hut and uh, <clears throat> anyway it was just it was kind of uncanny that that it was like I I know it was some kind of I I thought it was I I remember at the time I was thinking it sounded like Russian or Romanian and when I looked it up and 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 saw that I was like oh shit <laughs> and this happened with her just the one time yeah just the one time. Just the one time, but I've had others like that. You know, the first one I had, I was when I was maybe twelve or thirteen. I had this. Uh, I was in my body, trapped, and I felt a presence outside of my door. Like, oh shit, and a terrible dread. And then all of a sudden, this dude was standing next to me. I couldn't move, but I could see. And I could see through my eyelids. And he was standing next to me. He looked like a trucker. He had a down vest. And he was holding a pillow up in front of his head. Like it was weird, like a, almost like a cartoon pillow. And he just kept hitting me with the pillow and putting it back and covering his head, hitting me, hitting me. And, uh, the, the, 
a voice in my head was like, he can only scare you. He can't hurt you. And, um, but it was terrifying. And I, and I shook myself out of it and it, and it was like, I kind of watched him vanish like a, like a, in a movie when you wake up from a dream, it's all kind of wavery and it just disappears. Well, it sounds like you have some, you're tuned into some psychic abilities and I think everybody has some. I do too. Form, but as people grow older, they, let's say, kind of stay connected, you know, that it fades. Yeah. Uh, I've got a couple of friends who are psychic and one who will feature in the story. I'm going to tell you, her name is Amber and uh, she makes her living at that. And, mm. uh, when you meet a true psychic and they tell you things that they can't possibly know, yep. it's, it kind of makes you wake up and go, wow, there's something here. Yeah. Yeah. My, my wife is naturally talented in that way. Also, she's not, uh, she doesn't, she's, she's never been really into it. She's always been kind of like, it's just like a talent she has. <clears throat> But you know, I remember when we when we were going to therapy in the '90s, the therapist that it came up that she was kind of psychic, and the therapist was a bit skeptical. And my wife told her something about this ring that she owned from someone, and it, the therapist was like, didn't know what to do. It's it's just like that, you know that that uh, that skeptic Michael Shermer. Have you ever heard of that guy? I've heard of him. He's like a he's like the big skeptic guy. He's, you know, skeptic of all this psychic stuff. He, even he had a, 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 an experience where I think it was his father's funeral, an old radio turned on and it was playing like his father's favorite song. And it sounded like old, like old big band music, totally this random thing. And he admits that that happened, but instead of going like, there's something going on. He's like, yeah, he just, he just kind of blows it off because he's a skeptic and it doesn't fit his worldview. You know, there's so much that we don't know. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. You, can't discount it. you know, a lot of people have so many similar experiences. Mm -hmm. And, and if, and the thing is, if you, I think if, if everyone was honest and wasn't, wasn't afraid of being ostracized for talking about this stuff, you know, more, more people would, you know, I think everybody probably knows somebody that's had an experience if they hadn't had the one themselves. It's just that if you sit around a uh, table with five or six people and you bring up the topic of UFOs or ghosts, yep, absolutely. A couple of people are going to raise their hand. Well, Hey, you know, here's what happened to me. Yep. <laughs> it's very prevalent. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah, absolutely. And they're, con I think they're connected somehow. I don't know how, but uh, I think all of that, all of the, the paranormal stuff has some kind of connection because all the uh, alien abduction stories I've heard sound exactly like out-of-body experiences. And I've had the out-of-body experiences. So it's like, I, I can, it, to me, they sound very similar. So there's some <laughs> connection. I don't know what the connection is, but. I feel like there's I don't know, people. There's a lot of theories that that they are connected. I have two, uh, two, it's maybe three, one, two, several people I know have had alien abduction experiences. Oh, really? Two members of my family, and uh, wow. When they told me their stories, they're they're different, but they're similar, and they're all pretty mind blowing. These are all 
very sane, highly intelligent people, and most of them in, in the top level of their fields. They're really wow. Smart. Uh, but the experiences are pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know, yeah. It's there's it's something. Something's happening. I don't know what, but something's happening. We're like doing an infomercial for smoking at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you I think you might be the first smoker I've had on the podcast, so I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> so let's enjoy it. I'm gonna enjoy it. I could I'm finally not worried about offending my guests with my smoking. <laughs> do, do you actually feel like oh you want to blow it away so it doesn't bother yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's a, a uncontrolled response. Um I try and keep it under the under the screen sometimes so people can't see it, but um but you know, this is about this podcast about good fun conversations, and sometimes a cigarette is required for a fun conversation. Uh, and, coffee. and coffee, yeah. Although I I already have my coffee, I should have gotten another one. But okay, I want to. I, I would like to hear about these these more recent ghost stories okay. because you you sent me a list of. You said it was a partial list, and I kind of I was like, wow, that's probably partial list of everything that happened within a. Between six month, uh, six weeks and three month period, that's like, a lot of happened in the first week. That's that's amazing. It's it's uh, it's you know, it's one of the. I don't think I've ever heard anybody who's had so many experiences as as what you you had on that list. It's kind of incredible. And it, and it wasn't just me. It was about between fifteen and eighteen or nineteen other people. Wow. So basically. Do you want me to start at the yeah, beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start at the beginning. Basically, I was teaching. <clears throat> I won't mention the school, but, you know, people can figure that out. Yeah. Um, teaching at a place in L.A., a vocational makeup school. And I started there in, <clears throat> excuse me, 2005 in the fall. And I worked there for about five, five and a half years. So around, uh, I think it was May 2007. I may have the sequence of events a little off. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to memory and I just reread my notes. Uh, because by notes, I mean when stuff started to happen, I sent daily emails to myself of what happened mm. to and And I just kept a running log of incidents because it was like, Jesus Christ, this is getting pretty crazy. <laughs> and how it started, let me think, how did it start? Around May... To describe this, the location first, where all this happened, the school is a long building, uh, maybe 100 feet long. And on the street side, there's a store that sells makeup and whatnot. Uh, there's a couple of classrooms, and there's a little zigzag corner uh, that goes left then right. Anyway, a zigzag corner, and then it's a long hall where it extends the rest of the building, so close to 100 feet. Mm -hmm. All classrooms on both sides, <clears throat> and there's a hair room over here, the hair sinks and all that. And at the end of the building, and anybody who works there, like my old bosses, know exactly what I'm describing. But <laughs> at the end of the building, there's a two-level. On the bottom level, you have stairs going down, and you have a student lounge, lunch area. Mm -hmm. The hall is a photo room for photographing final projects. <clears throat> Up the stairs, one of those stairs like that, there's a landing. And on one side, you have the teacher's room. Between that, on the landing, you have 
male and female bathrooms. And the last thing you have on the other side of the landing is a library. <clears throat> so what happened in May is they decided to do some reconstruction. And they had guys, I do remember, coming in with big scrapers to scrape up the tile floor in the photo room. But the photo room also had boxes of ultra-cal plaster. Instead of the 100-pound bags, we split it up into like uh, 25 or 50-pound boxes. So mm. it's easier to handle, easier to store. So we had, you know, a couple hundred of these heavy boxes and that we had to have people move them across to the student lounge while they're tearing up this old photo room. The building itself was over 100 years old. In fact, I sent you a picture of it yeah. from the night. 20s. Right. That's the the funny thing is that if you if you if you I you know I know the area and I've I've been there before and I would never you know from the outside you'd never think it was haunted. <laughs> it looks very modern kind of on that street. I know. I, I never thought that. I never had any experiences there. You know, I started teaching. I think it was September two thousand five. I was just teaching a night class from six p.m. to ten p.m. Then I'd shut out, close mm. the doors, close out. Mm -hmm. And I'd be there alone. I never felt anything weird. I never hmm. gave this stuff any sort of thought. Hmm. And it was when, it, in 2007, when they started reconstruction, or whatever you call it, um, that this stuff seemed to begin. That's interesting. And around this time, <clears throat> I'm, let's see, I was teaching, when this happened, I remember I was teaching days and nights because there'd been a a change in employees or something and they asked me if i could teach a day class from 8 a.m to 5 p.m take an hour for lunch or whatever and the night class from 6 to 10 p.m yeah. so basically i'd get there early i'm always early i'd get there at 7 30 and after closing out at the end of the day uh, to shut down and do my paperwork, I'd leave it around 10.30 at night. So I was there, you know, 15 hours a day. Uh, I was the only human being who was there all the time, day and night. Right. People would come and go, but I was the one constant there. And that seemed to factor into how things kind of gravitated towards me. Right. But basically, not... Again, not remembering the order of things, but uh, there's a cleaning guy named Hugo. Hugo and Jesus, his son, his teenage son, would come in at uh, you know 9.30 or 10 at night, and they do vacuum the carpets, mop the building, uh, clean counters, and then they'd leave. And Hugo and I would always communicate with each other because whoever was the last person to leave had to do the alarm code punching in the number. Mm -hmm. So I was leaving. I say, Hugo, I'm checking out now. So he'd know, vice versa. Okay. So, I got, so, I so, so it was locked. You were in there and, and you had to have a key code to get in. So it's not like someone yes, could have exactly. gotten in and messed around with you easily. No, in fact, the way the building is and the way the whole system worked is the classes ended at around 5 p.m. The store was always open, I think, till 7. Mm -hmm. Whenever the store personnel left at 7 p.m., they locked the door. So the door, the store was separate. It was always locked. Wow. Okay. The cleaning crew did not go in there. Mm, okay. Um, unless they, I guess they could unlock it and get in. But anyway, the store was locked at 7 p.m. The rest of the building was open. When my students left around, you know, 9, 30 or 10, 
I would lock the doors and do my my shutdown routine and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point in my communications with Hugo, we'd always chat afterwards after class, and uh, I went in the hair room for something, just put something away or wash my hands, and he happened to be in there mopping. And he says, hey, Mark, do you ever see anything weird here at night? And I'm like, no. Yes, please. Sorry. Are you ordering a coffee? (laughs) I texted my wife, can you please put me coffee? She sticks her head in. You want a coffee? Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt. You um, asked me if I'd seen anything weird, and I said no. Why? And he, he told me he had a, a he had a cleaning routine. Mm-hmm. He would come in, he and Jesus with their mops and all that, and to do the classrooms in a consistent, quick, and logical fashion, uh, Hugo would go to each room, turn on the light, open the door, put the rubber doorstop in walk in and all the classrooms had the tall canvas director chairs mm-hmm. so in every classroom maybe be 20 of them i don't know okay but the students were supposed to put them up at the end of the day and a lot of them didn't so he'd go in and put the remaining chairs up on the counter so mm-hmm. lights on door open chairs up then he'd go to the next room same thing he'd work his way all around go to the zigzag corners, a couple of classrooms there, he'd come back. And he told me by the time he got to the first room he'd done, the lights would be out. Oh, wow. Or one time he, he did his routine and he starts to come back and comes around the zigzag corner and all the lights he turned on were off. Wow. He said this happened every night. Oh, my God. <laughs> and one time he goes to a room that he turned the lights on and put the chairs up. And the lights were out. He turns the light on, and there's a chair in the middle of the room. Put that, back. Wow. He said that the chair thing drove really creeped him out. Yeah. And maybe the lights went off, but not the chair. <laughs> yeah. So that was creepy. So I'm, I'm getting an indication. Oh, there's there's something going on here. And at the time, I was teaching, as I said, uh, days and nights in my night class. <laughs> There was a girl named Colette. I remember Colette and Jill. They were kind of a, a team. Uh, Colette went to the library one night to do a little research. And she came back. And I was in the hallway or something. And she's walking along like this. Like she's dazed. I said, what happened? What's up? Are you okay? And she told me that when she was up in the library, she felt some force pressing on her. Ew. And she felt the pressure inside her chest. And she was really shaken. And I was I was concerned, too, because I didn't know if it you know, some physical thing. Right. You want me to call 911? No, no, I'm okay. And she went home. And she told me the next day, she lived in Canyon Country, as I recall, which is quite a ways away. She said the whole ride home, this pressure was with her. Oof stayed with her most of the night that's weird and um yeah i mentioned jill because it's is a makeup effects side i remembered colette and jill and this i have to talk about makeup effects for a minute because in my in my intro to every class i tell them about how we came to la and i knew john chambers mm. uh, the 
who had also done work for the CIA. Yep. And when Jill came in a few days later, she goes, I've got an aunt and she used to work at the CIA. And, and after you gave your introduction, I went home and said to my aunt, I asked her, did you ever work with a makeup man named John Chambers? And she said her aunt did a double take and she goes, how did you know that? <laughs> she said, because my teacher. <laughs> anyway, that was pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, back to the ghostly stuff. Um, this is just starting up. and uh, That's a lot just to be starting up. It's, it's, no, that's it's, a good start. Um, <laughs> I love it. So after Colette's experience, she was okay after that. And things calmed down. And I was a bit of a practical joker. I like to amuse my students a lot. A lot of makeup effects people are. <laughs> and I love teaching, too, there, especially when students had a, were receptive and had a good sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. Time. Thank you. So things calmed down. It's a few days later. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're kind of, the students, I think they were testing or doing something. And I had to go up to a library for something to Xerox something. Mm -hmm. I came back and as a practical joke, I come, it's night. There's nobody here, but this one class it's night. And I'm comes running down the hall, screaming, get me out of here. Get me out of here. I burst in the classroom and said, you'll never believe what I just saw. And of course, everybody's on edge after Colette's incident uh. and acting like you know, something happened and everybody's freaking out. What, what, what is I'm, I'm just kidding. And a few minutes after that, uh, we're shutting down, and I had these two plastic heads in my arms, or in both arms, and I had to go deliver them to the hair room. And it had these, the metal L-shaped handles where you had to do that. Mm -hmm. But my, my arms are full, so I, I hit the door handle with my elbow, and as I open the door, I'm about to hit the other thing the light switch with my other elbow, the lights turn on. Wow. A couple of minutes after my practical job, and it, was, <laughs> it felt like something saying, gotcha. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you're going to mess with us, we're going to mess with you. It was very deliberate. It was very creepy. Yeah. Because you had to physically turn on the room lights. They didn't go on when you open the door. Right. Open the door. If you wanted the lights on, you had to click them on. Right. So that was kind of the beginning of it. And at the same time, I'm noticing whether in my day class or my night class, right by the door, there's a thermostat. And you always set it to, you know, 72, 75. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, summer, so I'd probably set it to 70, 72. Uh, I said, I noticed the room is getting really, really cold. Wow. I look at the thermostat, it's set to like 30. Ooh. So I'd go out to the bathroom, come back, whatever. I'd, I'd set it back to 70, go out, come back, it's set back to 30. Wow. And I'd ask my students, hey, guys, please don't mess with this. And we're like, we're not, we haven't touched it. And this happened in the day class as well. Constantly, you know, set it back to 70, go out to lunch, come back, and somebody set it to 30. Wow. That happened all the time. Wow. Um, let me think what else happened next. <laughs> Those are good ones. Okay. Here's a, now, now it gets a little interesting. I mean, like it's not already. <laughs> so there's a woman named Amanda, and I will 
I will text her so she watches this. Okay. <laughs> she was in, and I'll probably get this wrong. I forget her actual title. She worked for the school in some student services division where she would help them guide their careers to, hmm. get, to get work after they graduated. Sounds like a good school on a side note. <laughs> yeah, it was a great school. They had great people. Yeah. Um, Amanda was one of the best, and she was really, really smart and uh, that's cool. real positive force, and she knew a lot about makeup and the movie business. And uh, she and I got to be pretty good friends. And uh, let's see, around this time, yeah, I was kind of mentioning to Amanda what was happening, but we didn't really get into it. Um, but Amanda told me she was in the store during the day, <clears throat> just, you know, hobnobbing, talking to students, talking to people that work in the store. And across the street, there's a coffee house named Romancing the Bean. Mm. And it was, I think it was a Lifetime channel or one of those small movie channels was filming something. And Amanda's in the store and a producer or the host of the Lifetime TV show just wandered over, pretended to be looking at things, but Amanda could sense that this woman is here for something else. And uh, they kind of started chatting. And the woman asked Amanda, apparently Amanda found out later the woman is a psychic. Mm. The woman asked Amanda, have you seen him? Have you seen the man? No way. <laughs> <laughs> and Amanda looks at her and goes, you mean the guy in overalls? And the Lifetime lady goes, yes, that's him. Wow. Lifetime lady got the sense of some man in overalls in the building across the street and came over to kind of see what she could pick up. Wow. And she happened to run into Amanda, and Amanda had seen this guy in overalls. So what happened was, okay, all the stuff I'm telling you is the summer of 2007. Amanda told me that starting around, I think, 2005, the library was not a library then. It was a an accounting room where the two accountants worked to mm. do payroll, stuff like that. Around this time, or even a little before, there were two... Two girls who worked in accounting who have, they're the only two people in this whole thing I've not talked to. I've been trying to track them down for a couple of years. <clears throat> Excuse me. Apparently, Amanda told me, well, not apparently, she did tell me that uh, at some point the girls stopped, didn't want to work up there anymore. They couldn't do payroll or anything up there. They, they do the payrolls, they're auctioning at Kinko's or whatever because they kept seeing some guy on the landing. Wow. This this guy features a lot. I just call him overalls, man. <laughs> now, Amanda had seen him around 2005 a couple of times. So at the end of the class day, around 6, 7 p.m., you know, you got some students have gone, some are straggling, some are coming in for night class. So below this landing... There's, you know, activity of people, students coming back and forth. And Amanda saw this guy in overalls with slicked back black hair. She said it was like a 1920s style hairstyle. Wow. Black work boots. And she thought he was a repairman or maybe the father of one of the girls that he's picking up or something like that. 
And she said hello to him. He didn't, didn't respond at all. Oh, my God. She saw him again. And she said it was closer to the day classes of leaving when all the students are leaving, that he was kind of leaning over the railing, just watching them like he was a protector of some of, of some sort. Wow. A couple of people described him to me in that way. It's just like this very benevolent watcher watching to make sure the girls are okay, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Um, so let me check my notes really quick to see what might have happened. I have to write that down. Benevolent watcher. That's such a great, that'd be a great, that'd be a great painting title. (laughs) Weird little things happened around that time. Like I was, uh, it's nothing big, but I was testing the students and, uh, Mark had a quiet rule. Like, you know, I like the quiet classroom anyway, but when you're, when you're testing, you know, which is doing makeup on your partner, Mm -hmm. just, no talking. Just be like you're on a movie set. Right. Makeup focused. No talking. So the room is pin drop quiet, and we heard this metallic clink. Like a lot of the students had a metal powder bowl or something like that. Mm-hmm. And everybody had a metal palette knife. It's like somebody took a a palette knife and clinked it on the bowl. It's a very very distinctive metallic clink. Wow. And this is a totally silent room, and everybody looks. <laughs> <laughs> they had brushes in their hands. They're busy. They had sponges. They're not messing. All right. So everybody looks at each other and they continue work. And then it happened again. Plink. <laughs> and then I don't remember exactly when. Then the electronic paper towel dispenser started going off. And this is one of those where you you put your hand under the little laser and mm-hmm. uh, one towel. And it was always during me doing a quiet lecture, talking to students, and everybody's gathered around me in a circle on the way on the other side of the room behind us. <laughs> you know, the paper towel dispenser comes out. <laughs> that started to happen a lot. So there was weird electronic things with wow. the stand, the electronic, the towel dispenser. That's amazing. And... Uh, you know, I'm probably going a little bit out of order, but roughly in order. So we're talking May, maybe we're getting to late May, early June. So one night uh, I finished my night class. So the only people in the building is me. And I know Hugo's here because I saw him earlier, Hugo and Jesus with their mops. And I'm in the, I was teaching in the effects classroom at night. Or no, I wasn't teaching at night in there. I was doing something because i had two classrooms I had the night classroom was small the day classroom was big but i had you know i might have my personal stuff in spread out in both rooms so i was in the big effects room for some some reason which is at the top of the stairs leading to the student lounge and i hear this loud loud music now the student lounge had a little you know music system you know, you know, low Muzak coming mm-hmm. through, whoever, Michael Jackson or Madonna or whatever, very low right. volume. I'm there late at night, and I hear just this loud music. I'm like, what the fuck? Can I say the F word on your show Yes, here? you can say any word you want. I just did. Well, almost any So <laughs> I go to check out, and I the door's open, and Hugo's in there. He's mopping, and he's looking around, too. And I go, Hugo, what happened? 
He goes, I don't know. It just started up. And it's, it's really, it's, he said it happens sometimes. It's really, really loud. Wow. And I left and he said it continued for maybe a good half an hour and then just shut off. Oh my God. <laughs> what I found out later is the, there's no volume. There's no adjustment to the music in that room. It's a hundred feet away in the store. Oh, oh, wow. It's, okay. Well, the store's locked. The store's locked. The only, it controls the volume and the music for the lounge a hundred feet away. There's a little, some knobs underneath the counter that turn it on and off. Wow. So again, who, who, who or whatever turned on the music loudly in the lounge after 10 o'clock, you have to physically do that from a locked room a hundred feet away. Wow. So that was, but about 20 minutes after I left that very same night is the music. Hugo told me the next day he had come out and he was heading up the stairs to start mopping the hallway. And out of the corner of his eye, he saw something at the top of the stairs by the teacher room. And he said it was this wispy, smoky thing. And he watched it. He's terrified. He's, he, what is this? It's, wafting down the stairs and turns to go down the other part of the stairs and goes into the lounge where he just was. He said he even saw the reflection of the wispy smoke in the glass doors. Wow. So Hugo got all the good stuff. He's there <laughs> night like, he's, he's getting, he's gets the best parts, you know? Wow. That's incredible. Did, have you done, uh, 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 like research the building's history much or yeah I'll get to that a little bit okay yeah excuse me actually it was colette i forgot about this part i'm glad you mentioned it colette who had chest pressure experience that kind of started this all at the time she was curious if there was something up in the library obviously she was curious because of her experience so she did a little googling around and found a burbank historical website and she's the one that found the picture that I sent you of the building in the 1920s. Mm -hmm. And she said it was Orr Brothers Garage, O-R-R -R Brothers Garage. Mm -hmm. It had been a Firestone Tire Store after that, and I think a department store. Mm -hmm. Long history over 100 years, or at the point when this was happening, 85, 90 years. Right. <clears throat> and I've looked a bit into the Orr Brothers. There were two of them. Uh, I think one died out of state. I haven't looked at them, into them in a few years, but I'd like to find out more about them. Um, I, my feeling is the guy in the overalls has got to be one of the Orr brothers. Hey, I bet you. But there was more than one ghost there, so the other was a female. Really? Uh, we'll get to her. In a <laughs> wow! <laughs> I told you this. <laughs> when I, I tell people, I don't tell too many people about the story, and certainly not all the events, but when. When I mentioned it, I said, first of all, what I'm going to tell you, it's it's straight out of a movie, but it's all real. Yeah. All, because it's, and it was, uh, I have to tell you, Chet, when this started up and it started to build, it was so exciting. I can't even describe how excited I was to go to work every day and every night to see what's going to happen. Really? Because <laughs> it was always weird stuff. And I'm starting to keep a diary, not a diary, but an email chain of what happened to who and when. 
And around the same time, I mean, stuff is just like building and building. Like one student told me about a a student in another class who was in the female bathroom upstairs and her cell phone dropped on the floor. She bends over to reach for it and then the cell phone shot across the room. Ooh, wow. Well, that was happening. Um, let me let me ask, interrupt you real quick. You've never, this seems like documentary worthy or t- at least like ghost TV show worthy. Have You've never been interviewed? Well, actually, for no, a- I've never talked about this. I The most I did was I wrote a screenplay based on the events because I knew. Oh, that's after, cool. After it all happened, I knew I'd want to write about it. And for many, many years, I couldn't figure an angle. Mm-hmm. To make a long story short, I uh, my mother passed away. Two of my best friends, my cat, I had all these deaths that happened like one after the other, and I was in a real state of depression and grieving. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be talking to a friend at Amblin one night, the work that worked over there, and we never talked at night, but he called me late at night because he was concerned about me and. Uh, and he knew about the ghosts and he encouraged me to write something about it. And we started talking about it. And I said, you know, I just, I don't know how to do it. I just am so depressed and all experience every day is grief. And and he said, well, why don't you take, take one of your characters and make your main character being grieving and, and work your way into the ghost story that way. And I, I thought that's, that's an idea. And I hung up about two in the morning with him and I started writing and it went on for six months. And that was the, that was the key. So the story is mainly about ghosts and grief and it worked out. Oh, how cool. So it worked better dramatically rather than a documentary. Right. Right. I think, and, and, but so, yeah. Anyway. It, yeah. It just, it's, it, it's like, you know, in the, in the, in the uh, paranormal community, there are these, you know, there's like uh that ranch, I forgot the Skinwalker Ranch. There's like stories about different Jesus. hauntings, and this this sounds like you know well, it, worthy of 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 at least you know uh, being considered in the lore of big hauntings because I mean it's a, kind of a lot of stuff that you're talking about. Well, yeah, we're not even done. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's already. <laughs> it's like, and seriously, this is like in the first week. <laughs> it's incredible. I'm not kidding you, except yeah. for this of the girls uh, the accountant girls uh, and a few other things that will factor in um because of course by this time weird stuff is happening i've talked with amanda mm. who works at the school i've talked with her about it now she didn't work in that building she worked in another building entirely but she'd come down in the afternoons and visit every day and we got to know each other mm. but as this is happening i'm starting to keep my email diary I'm talking to everybody who works there. Say, have you ever had any experiences, anything weird? And I'm not, I'm not trying to put words in their right. mouth. Say, I've seen a ghost. <laughs> I say, you ever seen anything strange here? You know, I just kind of leave it wide open. And you'd be surprised. I was surprised at how many said, how many people said, it's funny you would ask that. Really? There was a a guy named Sean who worked in the store super nice guy and he would be there at the store on saturdays he and his boyfriend matt would work in the store on saturdays and generally with a few exceptions there were no classes on saturdays but they kept the store open for the public 
mm. and students who want to come there on the weekend and, and purchase makeup and supplies. And uh, I asked Sean that question. Have you seen has anything weird happened to you? And he goes, there were a couple things. <laughs> what? <laughs> so on the ground floor across from my effects classroom, there's a unisex bathroom. There's only one bathroom downstairs, that unisex bathroom. The other two, the male and female, are upstairs on the landing. So Sean is in the store. He goes to the bathroom, and he opens the door to leave. And he said he's walking away. This, this happened really quickly. But as he's walking away, the door is closing. The bolt, the, the bolt latch that you have to physically turn comes out, and it prevents the door from closing. Oh, so wow. He said this happened, <laughs> and he heard the click, and he turns around like, Oh my goodness, that's creepy. That is. <laughs> when he saw the chairs arranged in the library one night, there's a. Yeah, this I didn't. I wasn't quite sure what to make of this at first. Mm -hmm. He said that he went in the library, and now the library is about 10 or 12 computer stations arranged around every wall, and each one has a little black swivel chair, the office chair. Mm -hmm. Students generally, when they do research, when they're done, they just get up and walk away. Nobody arranges the chairs. Sean had walked into the library to shut out the lights, and the chairs were all in a complete perfect circle. Wow. And he said, that was that was creepy. <laughs> it's creepy. And, uh, <laughs> That's a good so, one. So uh, around this time, uh, I had made friends with a woman named Maria. Maria had been a student of mine, and uh, we ended up actually going into business together. But in 2007, I invited her and her daughter by, her daughter Amber, who was about 11 or 12, because they were both very psychic, and especially Amber. I call Amber the psychic lightning rod. Hmm. But I told Maria about the ghostly stuff. I said, you should come by one night and see if you pick up anything, any vibes. And she goes, oh, come, I'll bring my compass, too. What? Okay. <laughs> a compass. <laughs> and uh, Maria and Amber came by. I think they were before my night class. So, you know, there's I don't have any responsibility to be in, any, to be in the classroom. I've got an hour off. And they came in right at the rear door, and we sat on the stairs. The first thing she said was, oh, something just touched me. And Amber goes, oh, I just got poked. So they're like picking up wow. stuff. Right. This is right where, right by the photo room, right by where, they're on the stairs where that wispy thing had come down a few mm -hmm. nights before. So all the stuff is centered around the rear of the building, the library, the landing, the photo room. You know, a lot of the stuff was focused around there, but it was never limited to there because as I'll tell in a little bit, the, the things happened all over the entire school. Mm. So Maria pulls out the compass and we're looking at it and it starts like spinning just rapidly every direction. Wow. This is crazy. That is know? crazy. <laughs> <clears throat> you think, uh, well, let me check my notes and see what happened next. Yeah, sure. I have to adjust my glasses here. No worries. I'm trying to think of when it got hot and heavy. Oh, when it got hot and heavy. 
it hasn't been hot and heavy yet. Sheesh. Uh, oh yeah, I did. Forgot to mention something about Maria, and uh, she said that we went in the photo room. Let me relight my cigarette. Okay. She went in the photo room, and uh, she felt. She wrote me later that night, and she got the strong impression of a female, a young female, and said. Not an older guy, not an old man with overalls. She goes, no, there's a presence down here of a young female who is crying. Hmm. She was pushed against the wall. Whoa. Maria said, I see ruffles on her dress and uh, some blood on her shirt. Ooh. And she's upset from, from being pushed against the wall. What else did she say? Hmm. Oh, she said, I have, I read her email last night. She said the, the, the sort of the lights going off and the chairs, things like that. That's her. That's not the guy in the overall. Oh, said. wow. She likes to scare people because she gets a kick out of it. It's her, <laughs> it's her way of relieving stress. I remember she said that very specifically. What a trip. So around this time, as things are building and happening more frequently, I'm starting to, I'm starting to feel a little bit weird. Um, so I'll go over there at seven thirty in the morning to my day class, have an hour off, night class. But the times I was alone there before Hugo, the cleaning guy, and Jesus showed up, I would have to do my shutdown routine every night, whether they were there or not. I still had to go around to every classroom, turn off the air conditioning, make sure a student hadn't left their wallet or their purse or something, mm -hmm. things like that. Go to, I'd go check every classroom. The store, I don't remember if I did anything with the store. I think it was always locked. I didn't have to worry about that. And then I'd come back. And when this was going on, I started to feel like I was being watched at times. Mm. Now, have you ever been in a public place or you, you're talking to someone and you feel eyes on you? Oh, yeah, yeah. You look and somebody's staring right at you. Definitely. I'll experience that. It's kind of like that, but it's amped up hmm. a lot. And uh, it wasn't my imagination because I wasn't thinking about it. I was just going about doing my task. Right. And it would be just like a switch. All of a sudden, I feel like, oh, Jesus, there's nothing here with me. And I'd turn around because it would make all the hairs on your body just. So, right so it wasn't like you were creeping yourself out. You were kind of distracted and just focused on. on. And I don't get scared easily. I, uh, I've been through tornadoes and hurricanes and I've been shot at. Oh. I've been halted. I, I was almost in a plane crash. Wow. Stuff doesn't scare me. Right. <laughs> um, I've had paranormal experiences that were weird and creepy, but I know that a ghost can't kill you. Right. Can't, can't physically harm you. So that didn't concern me, but it was a very disconcerting feeling. And not, not necessarily, it was creepy, but there's no question that there was something there. I, I've had that feeling for sure. Like, uh, um, Usually in those out-of-body states, uh, uh, you know, because a lot of people see things like shadow people and stuff. It, it, sometimes right. it, I don't know if you have you seen that documentary, The Nightmare. 
No. Oh, you have to watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I mean, the link if you can. Yeah, I will. Uh, it's really good. But it, it's it's all anecdotal stuff about people um, having sleep paralysis and seeing shadow people and stuff. And as someone who's experienced that, it really rings true. Almost all the stories, I was like, wow, I've experienced something like that. But um, uh, like uh, many times in these out-of-bodies experiences, I've, I can't see anyone, but I'm com completely conscious and I know there's something there. I can feel it. You just feel it. It's just you, a, as a human being, you instinctively can tell. It's the same way yeah. where you're talking to somebody in the Starbucks and you feel eyes on yep. you. You look and there's somebody looking at you. Yep. The, the thing about the experiences at the school is, well, it's hard to describe that it was, there was a presence. The good thing was it wasn't a malevolent. It was right. Very, it was either benevolent or neutral. It never felt threatening, but it was there. Mm -hmm. And it would just kind of happen. And it got to the point where I'm, you know, doing my shutdown every night. And uh, then I started talking to the ghosts because I actually, I forgot another ghost story that happened to me earlier, but I moved into this place where things started to fall and tapping. And I actually spoke out loud. I said, Hey, I know you're here. I'm here. I hope you don't mind. I'm here. That's what my mom, my mom used to do that. Cause, yeah, cause so I did the same thing at the school. I'd be walking along at night by myself saying, it was kind of stupid to hear about it. I'd say, hey, my name is Mark. You mm -hmm. probably here a lot. I know you're here, and I'm cool with that. That's cool. I think that's cool. Me being here. And that seemed to help, but mm -hmm. but the presence was always there. And it would kind of, it would kind of, it would come and go. Mm -hmm. It became very strong when I got to the library and I should back up and say with Maria and Amber's visit when they got poked and the Maria mentioned the, the girl in the photo room, we also went to the library. I forgot to mention that. And as soon as the door opened, Maria looks to her right to this corner and she goes, this is his area. Wow. So we're not talking about the female ghost. Now she's said, this is his area. He's not harmful. He just wants his area to be respected. Hmm. He's a very benevolent, protective. And what area was this that she said was? In the library. Oh, okay. The, the corner of the library. Okay. So back to me walking around, talking to the ghosts. <laughs> Watch. So part of my shutdown routine, as I did the classrooms, then I would quickly pop into clock out and walk across the landing. And the last thing I would do, swing open the door to the library, check to make sure there's not a student who's fallen asleep at her chair or whatever, turn off the air conditioning and turn off the lights. After I started getting the sense of being watched, I would come into the library and say goodnight. I turn to the right and say goodnight. Mm -hmm. And I just start my mornings by opening the library saying good morning. It's cool. Because I want to be respectful of whatever is there that wants the space to be respectful. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I didn't go into that corner area unless I had to. Mm -hmm. And that seemed to work. Um, I could always feel being watched almost any place I went in the building. Wow. So we're into like, you know, we're not in, far into this two or three weeks into it. Amazing. And so I'm doing my night class. Everybody's gone except myself and my students. And there's a, there's a door with like a long window in it. 
And the cleaning staff, Hugo and Jesus, were under instructions, never go into the classrooms when there's a class going on. Don't interrupt the teachers. Don't bother them. Stuff like that. So my students one night were testing or doing something. It's pretty quiet. I look over at the window and I see Hugo's face. And he's... <laughs> I said to my class, excuse me a second. And he, he pulls me to into the down the hall and he's like aggravated. And I said, Where's Jesus? He says, he won't come in. Uh, what happened? He said, he said, last night, and this guy is being totally serious. He's not messing with me. He was scared. Mm -hmm. He said the previous night, he was mopping the unisex bathroom and he kept the door propped open. And he said he saw the corner of his eyes something coming down the hallway. And he looked. It was uh, the upper half of a woman's body floating. Wow. And he said, and he's looking terrified as he's telling me this. He said, she passed right, right in front of me as she disappeared. And there was this blast of icy cold air. Wow. <laughs> so he's telling me this. I'm like... <laughs> We got to change jobs. I want your job. You know? <laughs> He's going to see the ghost. So I start talking to everybody else at the school, and I find out that people have seen apparitions there, not just the overalls guy. More about him in a second. Mm -hmm. But there's a guy whose name is Steve. He had seen an apparition of a woman in the hallway, and I heard from. Um, Amanda, maybe, that a couple of students three or four years prior had seen some sort of apparitions that scared them so badly that they quit school and their parents got a full refund. Wow. And around this time, of course, all the staff and the, the teachers and the people in the office and the bosses, everybody's kind of getting wind that there's, there's weird stuff going on in the school building. But as teachers and as staffers, we were under strict strict instructions. Do not talk about the ghosts to the students. Hey, it could scare some of them. They could leave. It would be bad for business. Mm -hmm. I fully got that. Mm -hmm. One of the bosses went to Amanda and said, if you talk about this in front of students, consider that a job killer. Wow. Okay, the message is pretty clear. So we didn't talk about that at all. Um. Actually, right before this, I think is when I, I went to one of my bosses. His name is Paul. He was a real cool guy. There were several owners of the school. Mm. Paul, Paul wasn't the one who made the job killer. Right. Um, I think before that happened, um, things are cooking. Okay, Hugo sees the apparition. And I called Paul. And I'm pretty aggravated. It's like 4 p.m. I said, can you meet me in front of the school? I need to talk to you right away. He goes, okay, I'll be there in five minutes. So I meet Paul at the bench out front. We sit down, we each light a cigarette. First thing he says is, you're not quitting. I guess the sound of my voice was so like, I need to see you right away. <laughs> I, no, I'm not quitting. <laughs> oh, and he's like, well, what, what's this about? And I said, and I was really reluctant at first to mention this. I said, I think the building is haunted. And he's like, really? Tell me. He was very open to it. And he told me that 
when he was uh, doing some summer job years before, he was working deep down inside the Queen Mary, some construction job, and and he had some unsettling experiences there. So mm. he was very open to it. <clears throat> and uh, at that time, I said, so he was open to it. I told him what was happening. He was really intrigued. And he said, you know, just keep this between you and I, because if some of the other bosses hear about it, they may not be as open to it. Uh-huh. Excuse me, which turned out to be the case. And I think it was around that time I mentioned that I'd like to do a ghost hunt. And he was, uh, let me think about that. And he said, basically, yeah, we could do it. It'd have to be like on a Saturday night when there's nobody around and that nobody else can know about it. So I'm maybe going out of order here, but it really doesn't matter because the, the craziness is... It's so wild. So at this point, I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, we've got, we have ghosts here because people are sensing them, seeing them. There's physical activity, poltergeist activity. So where does one look for ghost hunters? You know, I click ghost hunters in Southern California. And there happened to be a place called, it's not around anymore, called the Southern California Ghost Hunter Society. Yeah, this is before ghost hunting became such a big thing too right oh yeah this was 2007 is before all those stupid tv yeah. shows. <laughs> they ghost hunt for 45 minutes and don't find jack yeah shit. just scare each other and yeah they should have come to the school yeah <laughs> no kidding so i write to this guy todd said uh you know i work at a school there's a lot of things happening and he wrote back the next day you know can you tell us where the school is, what's happening, blah, blah, blah. We'd like to do a, an investigation. That's probably when I called Paul and said, hey, you know, I've got some people that can do this. Can, can we? So he gave it his blessing. Cool. He did sound and cool. this guy, Todd, says, I'd like to bring Dr. Barry Taff. Do you know who Barry Taff is? No. Have you seen the movie The Entity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's the guy that investigated that. Oh, wow. Okay. And he's a world-famous parapsychologist. Uh, he's done like 3,000 investigations. And when Todd said, yeah, we're, we'd like to bring Derek Barry Taff, myself, and you, and a couple people, if you want, let's keep it small. So like, Barry Taff, yeah, do I know who he is? Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. It's pretty cool. Um, and Maria came out, so we did it on a Saturday night. It was uh, <laughs> Dr. Taff, Todd, myself, my buddy, Stefan, and Maria came out for the beginning part. Um, I do know, in retrospect, when you do these ghost hunting things, when you bring a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of equipment, generally things don't happen. But right. if you keep small, you know, one or two people, with just your cell phones or something, you, you have a better chance of getting something happening. Mm. Because, I mean, I, I presume ghosts are not stupid. If they're aware of you, they can see what you're doing if you're bringing... Well, basically what happened on the ghost hunt night was, well, it was actually pretty funny at first. Uh, Todd gave Maria, Stefan, and I little microphones, remote microphones, so we could make commentary because all whole night was being recorded. Mm-hmm. As we started around 10 or 11 p.m., everything was being recorded. They wanted to have live, you know, hear, hear everybody speaking live if something happened. Yeah, them. yeah, like walkie-talkies almost. Yeah, a little remote thing. But they're still setting up. So Marie and I decided to go to the, the coffee house for a coffee. It's still open. Um, 
right before this, Dr. Taff came in and, you know, he started talking, not about ghosts, but he was talking about all these movie ideas he'd come up with in the 70s and 80s, like he'd come up with Superman or he had some some lawsuits going on because every big movie that came out, you know, he'd, he'd treatment for it that people ignored. So he's like telling me about all these movies he's done. I'm like, well, that's neat, but we're going to go for coffee. We're walking down this long alleyway. And I forgot about the little mic. Oh, no. You know, <laughs> he's talking about these movies. I wish he went to ghost hunting or something. He's, this is like Ghostbusters gone wrong. And Maria points. Because <laughs> so, they can hear everything I'm saying. They go back. Dr. Taft's like, okay, we're ready to begin. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> it was pretty weird. Um, he was a great guy. Very knowledgeable. He brought all his equipment. He and Todd had, I forget the names of the the equipment I, I knew at one point, but they had computers, all gear. We had set up video cameras all over the school. Mm. Wow. Maria had to take off because she had to go pick up her kid or something. So it's just Stefan and I, Dr. Taff and Todd. And we sat there from 10 o'clock to, I don't know, four or five in the morning. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, that's the thing about these experiences. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, always when you're not expecting it, when you're not thinking about it, at least that's my experience is, is it's almost like the more you want it or the more you try to make it happen or try and see them, the less it happens. It's almost like, I mean, I'm presuming whatever presence is there can see what a human is doing because they'll they'll turn the doorknob or they'll make the cell phone move which implies that they can visually see what's going on right so you see a whole group of people with the intention of seeing them or getting some activity if i was a spirit or a ghost i'd go oh yeah watch this yeah <laughs> you and you're not gonna do a damn thing but the next day Oh yeah, it's going to click on again when nobody's there recording yeah. it because we're messing with you. Yeah, I got that feeling. Mm. Um, that must have been such a disappointment. Well, it was, but the thing was, uh, I think it was more disappointing for Doctor Taff and Todd from Southern California Ghost Hunters right. because they had to leave. They could only they stayed six or seven hours. I could still go back the next day. Right. So, cut to other stuff happening. <clears throat> As I said, in my day class, I had, it was a bigger room, and I had about 22 students. And I got a co-teacher uh, at one point when this was going on named Carrie Ann. And, of course, being part of the staff, she knew what was going on. We talked about the ghost. She thought it was pretty cool. But we also knew, you know, zip our lips when it came to the students. Mm -hmm. You could not talk to the students about it. It was a little awkward when occasionally some student would you know, like the cell phone incident, you know, they'd mentioned that and you're like, mm. yeah. <laughs> so one morning we're there and Mark's got his, uh, his quiet rule. There's a, the room is doing for sculpting and mold making. So way back in the corner, we had a huge laboratory sink, one of those big metal ones, the big deep ones mm -hmm. where you can put a five gallon bucket in the big faucets. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm in there, Carrie Ann's in there, we got 20 girls, and they're all kind of gathered around in a circle listening to me give a talk about foam latex or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> it's early in the morning, and it's very quiet, and all of a sudden, sink goes on full blast one of the handles just turned on by itself wow and in that big metal hollow sink the echo the sound was so loud people jumped a few girls screamed wow what the hell is that and and that's the course, physical turning of a that's lever the, the handle and this thing is this long you gotta yep i know those kind of, yeah that's amazing you know this type of sink yeah so i head over to the sink I'm like making something up really quick. Oh, it's nothing. It's nothing. The the uh, the plumbers are doing some work upstairs, and they have to turn on the water extra pressure or something. So it's going to make things go off everywhere. So don't worry about it, guys. And go on break, by the way. Go go take a twenty minute break. Take thirty. <laughs> can you just go? <laughs> because these girls were like, they were shaking. Wow, it was scary. And. Carrie, they they leave the room. Carrie Ann looks at me and she goes, "Dude, what the fuck?" What? <laughs> and right behind her, the, the faucet goes on again. Just a little tease. Wow. And she walks over, turns it off. We didn't even know what to say. It was so crazy. That's amazing. That was. I mean, that was physical. Yeah. That's, right. That's not that's not like an electrical current or a a, bur a loose wire that possibly is causing something. It's like physical no. movement of something. And you know, yeah, they're all all the stuff, the door handles, yeah. the lights on, chairs being moved. Yep. Um around this time when when it's all going on, there was a uh, <clears throat> I think it was a July fourth party actually, because this stuff started in late May. Everybody started to find out about it, all staffers and all that. And there was a July 4th party. I didn't go to it, but it was given by the head of the school. And Amanda went to it. And there was another teacher there named Yvonne, I believe. And uh, the director of the school was teasing Amanda in front of a few people. I was just in a nice way saying, Oh yeah, Amanda keeps saying she sees this guy in black in overalls with black hair at, at the top of the stairs. And this other woman, Yvonne, looks over. She goes, You've seen him too? So they Amanda and Yvonne had had experiences with the overalls man, but they didn't know about each other's wow. stories. So when I found this one, it's really cool. <laughs> Yvonne had been teaching two or three years before this, and she kept seeing, now keep in mind, Amanda saw a guy in overalls on the landing. Sometimes she said he'd be walking back and forth. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he'd be leaning over the railing, watching the students leave. He had black hair, slicked back black hair. Right. Yvonne saw a man in overalls with gray hair. Mm. He was older looking, but he had the overalls and the black boots. And he would always be walking down the hall at the end of the hall, shuffling, looking down and go down the last couple stairs. And as he walked, he would disappear wow. two or three times. Wow. So Amanda and Yvonne are swapping notes about overalls, man. 
So I'm thinking, must be one of the Orr brothers. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be so interesting to find the Orr family and try and learn information about what they looked like and who worked there. And I mean, it'd be kind of a, it'd be quite a job, but. Um, yeah. Well, I think, you know, do a little investigative genealogy and. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think today with the internet and Ancestry.com, right. we track down people on Facebook and saying, hey, it was was so-and-so or your your great-grandfather. Right. You may look into it. Uh, I've always been curious. I'm also curious about the girl. Yeah. Because. Um, and the you blood. Know, you know, mm -hmm. and the blood. And the blood. It's interesting. I've always been intrigued by. What was I? I just lost my train of oh, thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's no, all right. Um, I've always wondered who she is because I got different vibes. Like, I never felt a mean spirit there. I never felt uh, threatened. Mm. I felt watched. Absolutely felt watched. But when I went into the library, it was actually always very calm there. I could sense something maybe a little bit. Mm. I never felt, it was always very benevolent. It was this protector guy. All right. I believe it was definitely this this fellow this man but the other presence was more i don't even say playful doing pranks and just trying to trying to get you hmm. and uh around the time all this was happening well, whenever um i had to do my shutdown one night i'm there alone so i go around the whole building do the shutdown air conditioning lights clock out and remember, whenever I went into the library, anytime you go into the library, the students leave the 10 black swivel chairs. They're just scattered. Oh, they're all random. Yeah, students do not yeah. <laughs> leave chairs arranged. Yeah, when the cleaning guys, I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> so I clock out, shoot across the landing, open the door, say, I'm about to say goodnight. And out of the corner of my eye, I look, and then there's the chairs in a perfect circle. As Sean had seen them from, and it was from me. Wow. And I have to tell you, I've never experienced this before since, but it, it took my breath away. It was, I opened the door and saw this. And I went, oh. <laughs> I couldn't even move. It was so deliberate. Wow. And this, it was, it was deliberate. Yeah. It, was meant, it was meant to scare me. And it, it did. Yeah. It was, and I had my little Blackberry, if I can ever activate that blackberry there's one photo on it of these fucking chairs oh wow my hand is shaking and i took the picture and yeah, it's just yeah. like knowing that it was for you too it makes it oh, extra it's, creepy <laughs> extra I, scary and i had been in, in the the library maybe a half an hour before to get some research things wow. for students to show her uh students left and then i go in and there's a perfect circle so i see um I wanted to see Hugo, the cleaning guy. I never saw him again. He, something, I called, they got a new cleaning guy. And I oh, called wow. Him and said, what happened to Hugo? And he says, oh, he quit. Wow. Quit. So there's a new cleaning guy. I think, remember, it's Carlos? I don't remember his name. He'd be a guy, Hugo would be a guy to talk to as well. I'm going to, I'm going to track him down. I'm going to track him down somehow. Because if he, like if he quit for that reason... Who Something knows? scared yeah. so bad. He just decided not to come back. Yeah. Um, and he saw, you know, he saw the floating woman. I can't imagine what else. Yeah. But uh, 
after the chair thing happened to me, scared the shit out of me. Uh, even though it scared the shit out of me, I don't feel it was overalls man. It was not him. It was a different because uh, I was friendly and conversational with him, saying good morning, good night. I was very respectful of his space. As crazy as that sounds, that's how I feel. Mm. Um, but when the chair thing happened, uh, also there's a new clean guy. And I brought him up into the office and I need to ask you a strange question. Can you, sh what's your routine? I think he'd maybe been there a couple of days by then. I don't remember, but he had cleaned. He had a routine. I said, can you please show me how you clean this room? Just kind of quickly. So he looks at me like, what type of stupid question is that? And he <laughs> pretends to be wiping a counter. <laughs> I said, well, what do you do with the chairs? Do you arrange them? Do you, do you push them out of the way? And he just walks around and goes, no, I just move one by butt if I need to. I said, do you do anything else? And he goes, then I leave. And I showed him the picture and I said, so you don't do this. And he goes, no. Wow. I mean, I knew that already. Yeah, but I yeah. just confirm it. Uh, that was pretty crazy. Um, and there's a couple more stories. Are you, if you're still up for, oh, of course, absolutely. I keep looking. I, I keep. I, I keep looking at my uh, software to make sure this is still recording because of all the stuff that's happened to you. Oh. I could just imagine like something weird happening and glitching out. So I keep. I've got my eye on it, and everything's good. Cool. <laughs> so I think the the coolest thing that happened at the end of the 2007 stuff. <clears throat> um. I decided to get there. Well, I always got there early. I was thinking of getting an EVP machine to do electronic voice phenomena mm -hmm. in the library. But to be honest, I felt that would be kind of intrusive mm -hmm. and disrespectful. Yeah, and you didn't want to disrespect so them. I, I didn't do that. I knew that this fellow in the library wanted to be respected, and I felt that would be the wrong thing to do, and I, I didn't do it. But I got there early one morning around 7.30, Classes are at eight. I pop in the teacher's room to throw my stuff in. Carrie Ann is there. She's reading Harry Potter, just sitting scrunched in the chair. And uh, morning, Carrie Ann. Morning. She was like, totally <laughs> into this book. I said, I'm going to check my email. She goes, okay. She, was, she, wouldn't, she wouldn't get away from this book. She was totally into her Harry Potter. Right. And I go across the room. I'm in the library, and I check my email from there. So I'm in this room with 10 chairs, completely alone, check my email. And on a whim, I just said over my shoulder, is there anyone here? And it was quiet for a few minutes. For a few minutes. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, I wish I could duplicate the sound. Behind me, the door handle just starts rattling, just madly. Wow. I've never know. And I actually watched the security video of it happen later that day where I'm sitting there and you can see the handle just start going like this. And you see me jump. Oh, my God. Walk over to the door. And it's... Oh, my God. That's so scary. <laughs> and then it stops. And, like, I open the door. And there's nobody there. There's nobody. I walk across to the teacher room, open the door. Carrie Ann's still there. Hey, carry on. What? It wasn't her. She's <laughs> into her book. 
that was yeah that was cool and i have to tell you before this happened hugo told me about walking down the hall with jesus and they heard the door to the store rattling. Hmm. and as they creeped closer they heard sound of breathing like a woman out of breath wow running and they said that scared the crap out of them and at the time i thought if that door handle stuff happens to me i'm I'm out of there, but by then, by the time it did happen to me, and the well, the chairs still scare me. Yeah. And the door handle happened. It was actually really cool. I felt privileged because I got an answer to my question. Right. There's somebody here. And that was an answer. Yeah. I felt really, that, that was such a cool thing. Yeah, that's amazing. What a great attitude to have. Um, And then it kind of, Died down after about two, two and a half months, maybe three months, mm-hmm. kind of returned to normal. <clears throat> and as I said, this was the summer of 2007. And I left the school in October 2007. And I have to tell you, I was kind of bummed because for three years, nothing had happened. We had all this intense poltergeist activity. For a couple of months then nothing for three years it, it really kind of bummed me out yeah a cool part of working there i mean i love working there i love teaching <laughs> love my students i love the people i worked with but you know having ghosts was that was a big plus man that was, <laughs> so i totally get it three years later i'm going to do a little chapstick and light a cigarette no three problem. years later i'm about to leave and i was teaching I think I might have been teaching back to teaching days and nights. I didn't teach days and nights the whole time I was there. I don't remember. But I was feeling bummed. So I'm walking around at night in the school, and I started talking to the ghosts again. I said, I'm leaving in a few days, leaving the job, and just want to say goodbye. It sounds corny and stupid to say that, but that's... doesn't sound like that to me. I'm, I'm totally with you. Yeah, and so I'd go up in the library and pop in, and, and I always said good morning, good evening. I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm leaving in, in a few days here, and just wanted to say whatever I said, you know. Right. And it was a few days before I left, and uh, nothing happened. I didn't get any door handle response. It was kind of a bummer. I was very bummed. Yeah. And literally the day before I left, or that day, I sent you a picture of the classroom with the green pages on the wall, right? Um, I don't think you did. Let me see. I think you that just... was another incident. I should actually tell about that first. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You did with the okay. cat. Yeah. There's a, there were two students. In fact, if they they see this podcast, please track me down. There were two sisters. They were really cool, and they had a cat named Layla or Lola. Mm-hmm. It was this really chill cat. She would come for photo shoots. So they brought Layla one day, and they know I'm a cat person now. We brought Layla to see me. So it's after class one day. The two girls bring in Layla. And Layla's just, you know, kind of looking around. At one point, she looks in the corner behind the door, and she puffs up and... Wow. ...kisses and starts backing up. And one of the girls go, geez, did you see a ghost or something? <laughs> And that was at the exact spot where three late, three years later, before I'm about to leave, I'm in that room. 
I'm in the very spot by the corner where Layla had hissed. And I was kind of leaning on the counter, talking to a student about something. And, you know, behind me is the wall. This far away behind me is the wall. And I'm talking to this girl, and all of a sudden, a finger pokes me in the back, down by my belt. And this finger pokes me quite hard, drags slowly up my back to around my neck. Wow. And while this is happening, I'm trying to keep a straight face to this student who's asking me a question. And she goes, are you all right? And I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> because I'm physically experiencing a ghost finger coming at my back. And to me, that was like, yeah, right. <laughs> totally. It was a goodbye. Wow. What an amazing goodbye. Yeah, That's like after, after three years of nothing, I get that. And it was like, just so cool. Yeah, that's kind of like Amazing. almost the best one in a way, you know. That's that's physical contact. Yeah. That's incredible. Like the cherry on top. Yep. Yeah. Physical contact, which I last thing I expected, you know. That's amazing. I was, I was hoping to see an apparition like Hugo and the other people. Never did. Didn't see the overalls man. Mm. But to have that physical contact. And I get the strong feeling, had the strong feeling and still have today it was the girl. Yeah. I, I, Wow, that's incredible. Th that does. What's that? Maybe it was one of the Orr brothers who overalls guy. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I think you know a lot of this stuff is 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 about feeling and and feelings. Uh, I think it's like, you know, you kind of feel these things. Uh, I think it's okay to trust your feelings when it comes to this stuff. Um, yeah. You know, I I had this reminds me of 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 a, of an, of a, a, a contact i had recently and it was during an out-of-body uh this is really recent this is probably three or four months ago <clears throat> i was going to sleep uh just a quick aside because it reminded me of the the finger up the back and i i i snore so much i wake my wife up so i started sleeping the other way so, so my head is like at her feet and wow. yeah, it's like that worked that worked because I kept waking her up. And so, uh, so I started sleeping that way and I was getting in that weird state. I was starting to fall asleep and, uh, all of a sudden I felt these two and I knew they were woman's hands go, go like along my neck and like pull, like massaging my hair. Wow. Yeah, and it was, and it was, and it felt, it didn't feel evil though. Like, because I've had stuff that felt something is bad here. I've had that for sure when I was going out of body. And this didn't, it felt scary because it was, it was like I was awake and aware and I felt these two cool, ghostly hands like running their hands through my hair. And, um, uh, and, and but it it was but it didn't feel bad, but it was kind of scary being touched like that. <laughs> it's that reminds me of my story Ed's Ed's experience at the Heart Building at Paramount. Oh yeah, yeah, I want to hear that. I uh, recently recently gave a, a podcast for uh, Delta Flyers, the Star Trek podcast for Robbie McNeil and Garrett Long, the actors and. And I watched some of the older episodes and Garrett had interviewed 
Ed and LZ, who are were the two security guards for Star Trek Voyager. And Garrett mentioned the heart building ghost because Ed had an experience and he told it there. And he told me at the time, uh, basically, Ed Herrera was a really, he is a really tall guy and a big guy. He's, you know, not the type of person you mess with. Mm -hmm. And before he got on permanent staff as one of the two security guards on, on Star Trek Voyager, he was, you know, a new security guard where they'd send him wherever in the lot at whatever hours. And he was working the, the graveyard shift. And his job was to go around and check all the office buildings, make sure there's everything safe and secure. <clears throat> and he went into the Hart building, which is in the southwest area of the lot, the oldest building in the lot, I believe. And he said as he opened the door, you know, he's there at three in the morning with his flashlight. He opens the door and he smelled like a flowery rose scented perfume, which kind of was really prevalent. And then it kind of dissipated. Mm. Think too much of it. It's like maybe that's the remnants of perfume from somebody who left late or whatever. So he goes upstairs and the hallways are really narrow. And he's a very wide guy. So He's walking down the hallway with his flashlight, turns around to come back, and he smells that flowery perfume again. He said it was right in his nose. Wow. And all of a sudden, and he stands there, he's not kind of frozen. He felt, he said there were female hands. I guess he sensed it. He said female hands caressing his shoulders and his neck. Wow. Like a lover almost. That's, yeah, that's, that's kind of like how my, and, my hands were. He, flew out of there, you know, just practically breaking the door down as he got out. Wow. <laughs> so, creepy. so creepy. And he's not the only one. There's Back then in the 90s, when he told me this, you couldn't find anything out about her. But you, if you Google heart-building ghost, many people have had experience. What lot is this? Paramount. Paramount, okay. Yeah, I think... Uh... Someone was telling me about that. Like it's there's there's a lot of sightings from that building, right? Apparently, there's a a lot of people who've seen her, but she appears mostly from men. Ah, interesting. This is mostly with men, and from what I heard, I don't know if this took place in the '90s or the '80s or the '50s, but there was a, a writer me writers meeting downstairs. <clears throat> bunch of people sitting around at a table and all of a sudden one of the writers just starts almost having a seizure and they're like what's going on what's going on and he goes there's there's hands all over me oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah the heart building goes yeah paramount is a cool place it's got a lot of history it's right next to hollywood cemetery yeah right uh, there's another security guard told me of chasing someone one night uh, apparently an intruder late in the middle of the night, they're chasing a bunch of security guys are chasing this person. And the person ran right through the wall <laughs> cemetery and disappeared. That is crazy. And I was, I never had a ghostly experience there, but one night I can't explain it. Star Trek Voyager we had stages or predominant stages were stages eight and nine. Eight was the bridge. Nine was engineering, big, beautiful set and had long hallways We'd moved to stage eight, but I left one of my many makeup kits 
way, way down the hallway in stage nine. So I went back there alone to get it. And I, it was kind of like being at the school. I grabbed my kit and I'm walking down this hallway set. And all of a sudden, I felt like it was being watched. But this was not like the school would be years later. This was not a good feeling. Mm-hmm. This, was a, this was a mean, malevolent, I'm watching you. Yeah. Creepy feeling. It just, one second was not there. Then all of a sudden, I'm getting this, and I'm walking down this hallway that which curves. I, it got so strong, I started running. Wow. Could not explain this. I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything. I didn't smell anything. But this malevolent feeling coming down on me was just like out of nowhere. And uh, before or since, I have not had any, any experience like that ever. Wow. And I ran into stage eight, ran to one of my crew friends there. I'm like, and they looked at me and said, are you okay? What happened? I'm like, I can't, I can't explain it. Never mind. Nothing happened. <laughs> Things fine. But it really, really shook me up. Never, never figured that out because I'd worked on stage nine many, many times. I'd never been the only person on the soundstage alone hmm. i don't i don't know can never i couldn't figure that one out yeah that's 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 uh scary it's, it's yeah there's there's not uh there's two more things about the school i have to mention oh good I yeah absolutely so i mentioned i got poked in the back by the finger mm-hmm. a day or two before i left in 2010 <laughs> excuse me i thought that was the end of it but i uh I'm friends with Amber still today. Amber was Maria's daughter. They're the two psychic mother daughters that came to visit uh-huh. school in 2007. So Amber is about 11 or 12 at the time. She's almost 30 today. Um, but I remember one time when I was teaching my first class in the fall of 2006, before all the ghostly shit happened, about a year before the ghostly stuff happened, Maria was my student, and one night she couldn't get a sitter for Amber, so she brought Amber, and I said, do you mind, or she said, do you mind if she hangs out? I said, no, no, just, she can hang out. She was, I think, 11 at the time. Uh And I almost forgot about this, but uh, I remember joking with Amber, I said, you know, hey, when I'm not in the classroom, you're in charge, and stuff like that. Uh Yeah. Amber and I were talking about the ghostly stuff recently. I don't know, not too many months ago, maybe a year ago. And I was telling her, you know, talking to her about overalls, man. And she goes, well, you know, I saw him that one night. It was there when I was a kid. I go, why didn't you ever tell me this? Oh, I didn't even think about it. (laughs) That night in 2006, when I'm there, Amber had gone to the bathroom, the one downstairs, and she glanced up to the landing and saw a guy in overalls. Wow. She didn't know who he was, but Amber's very psychic. I think she sensed that he was not a human. Mm-hmm. But she didn't mention it because she sees ghosts all the time. Right. It's <laughs> normal for her. And when she told me this, like, you know, less than a year ago, I'm like, you're kidding. You saw him? <laughs> Overalls, man, before all this stuff happened? She goes, well, yeah. You know? <laughs> And there was one other thing that happened. This is less than a year ago. 
Now, after I left the school, they obviously got another teacher to replace me and then another. And I'm very good friends with a guy named Mike, who's uh, he's in the effects world. And he, he was teaching that class for a while. And I was talking to him. I said, hey, did you ever experience anything weird, ghostly at the school? And he said, no, but there was one time where uh, there's another teacher. Mike was there late alone at night, just the two teachers. And he said he went to the bathroom, came back and looked through the window into the classroom. He could see this other teacher talking to someone who wasn't there. Mm. And Mike opened the door of the prison. Everything's good here. So wow, it's about uh, yeah. I, I I could I could uh, I could see like you know someone that had the time and the gumption and the resources tracking all of these people down, and you know really looking into it. Um, you know what I'm really curious about. I have not been to that building in since 2010. Hmm. So 13 years I have physically been in the building. It'd be interesting to yeah go there and sit in the library before class and say hello. Say, hey, do you remember me? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, what an and yeah, even lean against the the wall on the outside and see if you pick up something because yeah, whatever is there has been there a long time and I don't know. My feeling is if it remembered me after three years, it it will probably remember me today. Yeah. Who knows? I bet. Yeah, what an incredible story, man. Like it's like I said, sure things I left out, but yeah, it was pretty crazy. Unbelievable. It's it's it really is. Um, yeah, like you said, I think it is a privilege to have experienced that. It's I, I I can't tell you how many people I know that want to see a ghost that have never seen a ghost, and they just are frustrated by it, you know. And and it's a real gift to have an experience like that. I think. Who knows? I the only time I've seen a ghost twice. Once happened during all this, and I have never been able to explain it. I don't know. I didn't see any any apparition at the school. Right. Uh, while this was going on, I was funny. My buddy Stefan, who I mentioned, was there in Ghost Hunting Night, fourteen oh eight, the haunted house, haunted hotel movie had just come out, and mm. I was going to rent video. And my buddy Stefan goes. Yeah, that may not be the right thing for you to be watching right now. <laughs> anyway, I I was living at the time in a duplex, and the, the other duplex, it was never rented, so I, it was nice. I had the whole building to myself. It was very quiet. And one weekend, I got the kitchen windows open, the front door open, I'm cooking. And there, outside the kitchen window was a balcony, and a balcony, uh, you know, kind of a porch balcony. Mm. which had some stairs that went this way. And I'm cooking, and I'm like, you know, thinking about what I'm making. I glance over the window, and all of a sudden, in retrospect, it's weird. It happens so fast. There's an old man in a black and white shirt who comes up through the balcony, comes up into my apartment door. And it happened so fast, I put down my whatever I was cooking with, ran into the living room, because I'm like ready to punch some guy who was just ran to my apartment then i'm going wait he didn't he didn't walk this way he came up through the floor oh my god <laughs> this happened so fast and he was a 
he was an old skinny guy with gray hair and a black and white striped shirt. Ooh. It just it happened so fast and then it was done. Wow. I never figured that out. It was <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the the other thing that happened was last year actually. I, I lost a few cats in recent years. One was this wonderfully affectionate guy named Mr. Lee, who's a black and white mask and mantle cat. And I, I, I think about him. I think about my cats all the time. Mm. And, uh, it was just totally out of the blue. I was going from the kitchen into the living room. And again, this happened in a millisecond, half a second, quarter second. I glanced down and I saw the back half of a cat with his tail, black and white, walking beside me. And then it was gone. Wow. And it looked like Mr. Lee. Wow. I, I can't explain that, but it felt really cool. Yeah, yeah. Because um, Amber, Amber the Psychic Lightning Rod, she and I hooked up once for coffee at, at Pete's in Pasadena. We're talking about ghostly stuff, psychic stuff. And I asked her if she could pick up on anything for me. And she goes, well, there's two cats that are walking around your legs right now <laughs> Wow! <laughs> and i said way back when i had uh lucy and iggy one a gray cat one a white cat and amber didn't know about those cats wow and she said that this pete's coffee there's two cats that are going around your legs i said well they look like one is white and one is gray and that's amazing does Amber do this for a living? Is she the one you said? It does. Oh, She's wow. A, uh, she has a channel called Channel with Amber hmm. on YouTube. Cool. And she does psychic readings for people. And she also just opened up a coffee house in Burbank called Wish House. Huh. So along what I call Horror Highway by Dark Delicacies mm -hmm. and Halloween Town, she's right over there. Or Highway. <laughs> yeah, Magnolia, and I forget the... If you just go Wish House on Instagram, you'll find it. But, but her psychic thing is Channel with Amber, and she's got a podcast, too. Really? really yeah. Cool. I'm going to look In her fact, up. one of her early podcasts, she had an early episode of Ghosts, and yeah, she's a, quite an inspiration. That's so cool. Yeah, um... And she's told me things that, in fact, without getting too much into it, we were meeting at Pete's that day because I'd been intrigued with this, with a murder of a young girl in another state that happened 30 years ago. And I asked Amber one day if we could, if I gave her some basic information, showed her some photos, if she could give me a psychic reading, because the girl's murder was unsolved, still is. Hmm. I said, do you think you could give me a psychic reading and see what you pick up? And she goes, of course. And uh, <clears throat> met her at Pete's Coffee. And I had a notebook, a little yellow legal pad. And, and Amber looked at this girl's date of birth, the date she died, where it happened, basically. And then the weirdest thing, she closed her eyes and kind of looked down. And she was like that for a couple of minutes. In fact, I remember, I don't know if Amber knows this, but I 
I got down and like looking up at her because she was so totally out of it. And then she just raises her head and starts going, giving information, some very specific. Wow. And I said, name, it could be this, could be Hamilton, could be Hammer. She starts rattling off this stuff. And I'm writing it down. I said, can you slow down? <laughs> she just gave me all this information about this unsolved murder. And that was just our first session on it. We did two other ones where I didn't say anything about what I was sending. I just said, uh, well, let's get on the phone live and open folder A, look at picture one, two, and three, do this in order and tell me your, your impressions. And long story short, out of, well, out of the first session, I got so much specific information that I actually called the FBI agent still in charge of the unsolved case. Because mm. had the police and they had the FBI. And I said, you know, this is going to sound crazy, but I got this from my friend who's very psychic and she's been very accurate about things in the past about me, people in my life personally. I wanted you to have this. And there was one specific piece of information I could never figure out. Well, this this little girl disappeared. She was seen walking away with man, but with a man, but nobody saw anybody drive away. Mm. So she, she was only seen walking away with this man in the parking lot. But Amber had told me she's driving away with this guy, but she's in the back seat, which is weird. Right? Mm, yeah. So if you're driving and there's somebody in the front seat and there's a little kid in the back seat, it usually means. Well, the only time you put a person in the backseat is like you're a taxi or maybe Uber. Right. Or you're a parent with the kid in the safety seat. Right. So if a man's abducting a little girl, why does he put her in the backseat? I thought that was so off the wall and weird. Yeah. That is kind of weird. So I gave that information to the FBI. And, I don't know, three or four years later, uh, some news feed comes up from my google alert about this murder where a witness came forward after you know, 25 30 years who said she saw the girl being driven away on the day of the murder and she was in the back seat of the car wow when this guy said that i almost fell out of my chair wow because it's so weird and specific and unusual yeah and amber told me this at the time i always wondered about it like it's this doesn't seem right, but this that's what that this guy who was a mechanic next door huh. said he's still unsolved. But uh, when when did when was the murder? What year? Nineteen eighty nine. Okay. Huh. Wow. <clears throat> She's good. Yeah. She's very good. Yeah, that's amazing. What a what a what an incredible story, man. I've got I mean, we're we're already longer than I said I'd keep you, but, but I've well, talked a lot. <laughs> no, there's one more. No, just no, no, I I'm, I'm here for it. I love it. I I'm, I'm so excited about this. Uh, this before you, before we log off, let me just really quickly check my notes and see if I didn't forget one of the biggies. Okay. No, I think we got most of it. Um, yeah, there's a quite a list. Yeah, that list is incredible. Yeah. I um, yeah, yeah I just was gonna say, you know, I'll have to tell you. Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe we can get together for 
lunch or something, but I've got quite a story. Um, not like yours, but kind of similar where it was a period of time where a lot of weird stuff was happening um, to me. We texted, we're just down the street. Yeah, I know. We're so close. There's a place, there's a place I take everyone called Zello, this pizza place that has cornmeal crust pizza in Arcadia that if you like, it's really good. That's where I take everyone. But anyway, I'll, I'll talk to you <laughs> about it later. Cause that's yeah. like, after hearing this story, it's like, I kind of want to tell you this, this, this whole experience I had. Um, I've kind of talked about it here and there on the podcast, but anyway, yeah, that, that was, uh, I really appreciate you sharing that, this story with us. I know that people are going to be stoked to hear it. Um, again, I'm so, I'm surprised it's not, it's, it hasn't been featured on a, tv show or something so maybe maybe someone will hear it and more i've been been trying to push the script uh i got eric roberts to say yes really you know um yeah the script must be cool hard thing to sell a movie an indie movie these days yeah don't have a track record directing it's a weird business oh yeah yeah or drama it's one thing i do want to say to your viewers about all this and i'm sure people will be skeptical about a lot of it and it is a lot it's a lot of strange stuff but when it when it happens to you and to people you know to be on the level and honest yep. and it's daily and nightly um it really kind of blows your mind and i have to say if if i was a skeptic going into this this summer at the school i sure wouldn't have been at the end because it was physical it was constant um it was amazing um there's something there that we don't know about on a level that we maybe psychically can't usually connect to yeah but when it's through it's quite amazing i i did i did have one discussion with amber before we go i was discussing something with amber about how she reaches people who passed on and she said it's almost like a a TV antenna. She has to have specifics like a name and a birth date, mm-hmm. hopefully a birth time, and then she can connect to people. Um, but she did tell me. I remember one time she said it's very difficult for people who passed on to connect with living people because it's, it's there's a lot of energy required. Mm-hmm. Like like it almost drains the battery. Interesting. So, like, if your your mother passed on, you really want to see her spirit. You may get a, a sound or a voice mm-hmm. or a movement of something, a smell for a second. Yeah, you may get a tiny indication, but that takes a lot of energy effort for them to give us that little bit. So, for a full on apparition to appear, is a big deal, right? Yeah, and that that could be why uh, a lot of times they say that uh, entities are seen and and ghost activity is um, centered around you know, you know violent deaths and things like that, where maybe perhaps the energy was high at the moment of death, it was intense, and maybe that's why it leaves residual effects. Maybe who knows? You know, who knows? <laughs> I, who knows? I know that uh, my feeling is. The energy imprints itself on structures. I think Stephen mm. King is talking about that. Right. Yeah. I do you remember um, 
my friend Kevin Haney, the makeup artist. Hey, he's a great makeup artist. Redemption. I know Kevin. Yeah, Kevin's great. Yeah, uh, he's awesome. He's doing the makeup on that, and he's out in the, the actual prison in Ohio where all these bad things happened. And Kevin told me that one day Tim Robbins is there with his son. This is, this is on Shawshank Redemption, you said? Yeah, Shawshank oh, Redemption. Okay. And Tim Robbins is there in the makeup chair, and his son is there. And his son looked around at all the walls and said something like, Daddy, really bad things happened here, didn't they? <laughs> he picked up it. And then Kevin said, a lot of the crew members picked up on it, the, the bad energy. Oh, imagine. The residual. Ugh. Yeah, it a- absolutely places absorb energy. I, I really do believe that. Uh, you can sense energy walking into people's homes or encountering people i've met you know i'm sure you you've met people where you meet them and you just get a bad feeling from them or you get a good feeling and you feel kind of like you've known them or you know you can feel energy i think you know Um, and i and i think yeah places absolutely hold energy well my feeling is you know if if i can just say one more thing Mm -hmm. um you know, there's electrical energy in the body. When the body dies, the energy has to go somewhere. Right. <clears throat> Where does it go? I think it changes form. I agree. I agree. That's, of course, one of those things you can't prove. Yeah. <laughs> Just a gut feeling, which seems to make sense. Uh, yeah. I've been thinking, uh, you know, I always think about this stuff, honestly. I think about, die. you know, what's like to die. And I, I think about all of this stuff. Every day, pretty much. But I have been thinking recently about um, uh, how it just does not make sense that when you die, everything just, there's nothing. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't go, you know what it also, it doesn't go in line with nature because nature, everything continues. It's a continual thing that never stops. You know what I mean? It's like when a, when an animal dies, it goes in, you know, it goes into the ground, it nourishes the tree, blah, blah, blah. It's a constant c- cyclical thing. And it just does not make sense that when you drop dead, it's, it's like, what is the point of life if it's like a short period and then nothing and then nothing before it? It just doesn't. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to well, me. When you think about it, when the universe was created, and it was stars exploding, galaxies mm-hmm. forming. I mean, that came down, and then it comes down to us, us human beings. Right. We're made from a stardust. As silly as that sounds, we are. Absolutely. Every living, because you know, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Earth was formed, and one single cell organism happened out of that. Yeah. The chemicals and minerals, here it forms, and that led to us. So uh, when you go back and reverse, we are. Every living creature, everything in the earth is made from stardust. Right. Incredible to think about it. It is. And what you're saying is that the energy keeps evolving and recycling and going somewhere into some other form. Yeah. It does not make sense at all that people die and then it's just, it's, that's it. The energy has to go somewhere. Yeah. And I'll tell you one, one last thing, uh, aside from all that, um, between my out-of-body experiences, and I've had some pretty major psychedelic experiences where I have was, like, there <laughs> in that some other higher realm of this kind of 
peaceful void. Um, but, but mainly floating around one of my, I think the first major out of body I had, actually, I had an out of body in Italy when I was a kid, when I went on that show, um, it's probably I, because it was a Charlie band film. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. It's, it's real fast. So I'll say it real fast, but okay. there was a crate where they, uh, uh, all the stuff was shipped and it was full of, uh, popcorn peanuts. Uh, or popcorn or what the packing peanuts styrofoam things, yeah, yeah styrofoam peanuts and i was laying in it and i had someone had given me um i forgot his name gave me that book the prophet you know that book the prophet uh yeah, Brown. yeah the classic and uh it was just i was at the right age and it hit me it was and i was interested in all spirituality eastern spirituality i've always been in, into that sort of thing alan watts and all this stuff and so i was reading that book and i was like oh my god this is incredible and i was laying in that crate and it was just like, you know, you know, if you've read the book, it's like really this kind of amazing, spiritual, beautiful poetry. And um, I read it and I felt like, wow, this is amazing. And I closed my eyes for a second and I just shot, boom, straight up through the roof, way up in the sky, like in a split second. And I opened my eyes and I was like, whoa, like I felt like if I didn't open my eyes, I would have kept going. <laughs> But it was like, it. it was like, uh, normally, you know, I'd have these out of body experiences after I'd fall asleep and it would, you know, take a while and it's usually right before you go into that deep REM sleep. This was like, I closed my eyes and I just shot through. It was, it was no drugs required. It was, it, it oh. was before I had tried any of that stuff, any of that psychedelic stuff. And, um, but, but the first time also real quick, the first time I had, um, my first out of body. Oh no, it was okay. My first really positive one. It was after that pillow guy. I was, um, in, in living in my parents' garage that was converted into a, a music studio for my brother's band. So it was all covered with carpet. No light was getting in. And I just started floating around my room and I had perfect clarity of mind. I was totally conscious and I, and it felt really good. It felt amazing. And I, and I just knew instinctively or, or however, psychically in my mind, I was like, Oh, this is what it's like when you die. And it was, it was like, this is still me, but it's without all of the negative emotional baggage or fear or anything. And I just felt like a pure spirit. And I, and it was after that, really, I, I kind of, uh, lost my fear of death because it was like, this is the best feeling I've ever had in my life. Years later as a drug experimenting adult, I, I take an ecstasy and it felt exactly like being on ecstasy. But this was when I was a kid before I'd done anything. And, uh, I, I, I yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, 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 I've had amazing experiences on mushrooms and, uh, uh, acid and ecstasy. Pretty much. That's it. But after that, I floated around the room and I went through the wall and I could see that in between the wall and it was in the morning, it was bright outside. As soon as I saw that bright, it just sucked me back into my body and I just sat up straight like a rubber band. Like you me. have some very highly attuned abilities. Yeah, it's it's very specific to out of body and some precognitive dreams. Whereas my <laughs> wife sees spirits kind of a lot, which is another there's tons, tons more stories I'll have to tell you when we get together, but, um, but I've never been able to see things like she'll, she'll point to things and be like, you don't see that right there. And I'm like, I can't see it. I just can't see it. But, but she doesn't have the out of bodies like I do, you know, Amber sees spirits all the time. Um, 
I used to have a girlfriend named Nancy, a makeup artist, and she could see people's auras. Mm -hmm. uh, she was from Long Island, and she told me this one day. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I said, can you see my aura? She goes, yeah. I said, what well, can you describe it? She said, it's blue. Mm -hmm. I said, what does blue mean? She goes, healthy and happy and all that. It's pretty cool. And, and then one day she mentioned when she worked in Long Island, she was in a, working in a beauty parlor in Amityville oh, back wow. in the early 80s mm -hmm. or 78 or something. And one day she saw, what's the guy's name? Ronald DeFeo, the one who killed his whole family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She said he would walk on the street in front of the beauty parlor a lot. And I didn't think anything of it. When I thought about her horrors, I said, hey, you know, the Amityville horror guy, the murderer. She goes, yeah. I said, when you saw him walking by the window, did you ever see his aura? And she goes, oh, yeah, all the time. I said, well, what color was it? And she goes, black. Wow. <laughs> there you go. Wow. That's amazing. Perfect, perfect, perfect ending of the, the episode. Well, thanks again for coming on. Hey, thank you, Chad. I really enjoyed it. It was super fun. Me too. I know people are people are going to love this episode. I'm so excited I'm about this. Oh, I got about all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. You get it getting out of your system. I love it. I, I I am honored that you would uh, do that do that on here. So happy to. Yeah. Um, so uh, the last thing we have to do is just say goodbye to the audience in whatever way you want. Goodbye, audiences. Goodbye, audience. Mind. Uh, I, I spoke over you, what? <laughs> I said goodbye, audience, and have an open mind. That's right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Goodbye, audience. Thank you.